Oh, husband, whatever shall we do to entertain ourselves this evening? Well, let me see. Boy, what's that new board game you were talking about? Battle Jesus? <laughs> Battle, Battle Jesus. Jesus. You are the penitent man, questing to get to the silver pillars of heaven. I cleanse the non-believers. King me. New this Christmas from Holly, Hiker, and Hobbs. Remember, when, whenever you run up to an open gorge, just throw sand at it. <laughs> Battle, Battle Jesus. Jesus. Can you be saved? Welcome to the Carpe Diem Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Brian. And I'm Mac. And no Tyler tonight. He's gone. He is gone. He's done, man. He's done. It's all right. He will be missed. He was our. He will be missed. <laughs> <laughs> He's our goose for the night. Oh. <laughs> He'll be back. Now I've got that loving feeling. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. So the little clip you heard at the beginning of the episode here, uh, the Battle Jesus commercial. Oh. Yeah. We got that from Eric at Metagamers Anonymous, a young podcast much like ourselves. And um, Sounds like a Viking. I had sent them a letter on some topical information, and he sent me back that. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool response. <laughs> it was very cool. I will very say cool. I've never been edited before into something. So <laughs> you, you have been remixed. I was. Next is the auto-tune. <laughs> I could probably pull hey, that off. Hey, Eric. Auto-tuned battle, Jesus. Oh, jeez. We need to make you into an internet meme first. Oh, I know. I was yeah. a, that's a lifelong dream. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just willingly do it, though. You gotta, like, accidentally Accident, become one. Yeah. yeah. So, Metagamers Anonymous is a podcast based, um, I think they're in Kansas. I think they might be Wichita. In any case... Kansas City, Kansas. Their content centers around organic roleplay and immersive roleplay and methods to further that type of playing your games. And um, you can find them on iTunes, and you can find them at their website, uh, prismaticsunami.com. I'll put the link in the show notes for sure. Uh, but once again, thanks for that. That was hilarious. That was awesome. It was awesome. That was... I, I, I got that email at like 4 in the morning, and um, I was so tired my face was sliding off my skull when I listened to it for the first time. Raiders and of the Lost Ark style? It, yes, it Skeletor. woke me right up. <laughs> Thanks for picking us up. Yep. Prismatic Tsunami sounds like a sci-fi channel movie about rainbows that kill you. I like that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's It's been made. Yeah. <laughs> it's somewhere. YouTube it. Can you imagine how bad the Prismatic Tsunami would be, though? Yeah. That would be amazing. Sounds I, like I, a... I've got a lot of images in my head right now. <laughs> sounds to, like a bad to... LSD trip, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Check out the podcast. It's a good one. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, once again, thanks, guys. Now, today we're going to start the show off a little bit different. Once again, different. Imagine that. Woo! Different and <laughs> Carpe, fun. Carpe GM Gamecast, changing a little bit of the format at a time. Um, hey, we're working on it. We're, we're working on it. We're going to do, um, instead of having an episode where this is what we're into, we're just going to try to trickle that in a little bit. People like that to one. Get so. some, yeah, to get some some measure of what's, what's going on in our lives right now as far as what games we're playing and whatnot. Oh, Brian, yeah. Why don't you start us off? Uh, okay. Well, 
I have been playing a lot of Magic the Gathering lately. Got back into it after a long hiatus, but Magic is one of those games where you, you know... Did, went, did the newest edition suck you back in? Um, The news of it was like, oh, cool, kind of, but I've been kind of getting back into it lately before the newest edition was kind of announced. You know, well, it was announced forever, but... Right. Uh, Magic is just one of those games that it's like riding a bike. You play it once, you never really quit. You always play Magic, you know, like you can always pick up a deck and know how to play again, you know. Like my friend played with us last night. It was his first game in five years and he knew how to play. Very cool. Yeah. But I've been working on a new form, not a new format, but a format new for me called a cube, a Magic Cube. And it's a draft format where you take cards of your choosing and basically like create 15 card packs out of cards you already own. And then you draft them, which drafting is a format, which I don't, I'm don't. i sure most people are familiar with, which is basically you pick a card from your pack, you pass it to the guy next to you, and then that person passes their pack to you, and you pick a card from that, and so on and so on until all the cards are gone, and you it's build a, a... It's a series of random eliminations of yeah. cards in, in existing games. Exactly. And so Not it's, random. Well, well, no, yeah, you're right. The randomizer is the cards that you pick. You are the randomizer, right? You randomize the pack for the next person by picking a card out of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of cool to like kind of do the little, like, oh, I wonder what he's picking. I wonder what he's... But it, it generally, the way the format's done is that you do it at a local game store. It costs you like 20, 20, 15, 20 bucks. You get packs, and you leave with whatever you play and maybe some prize support. But this way, you, you get to you know use all the cards you want to of all the stuff you've collected over the years. And you can do it over and over again for free. So it's pretty cool, and it just teaches you how to you know play the format well and just a good time very cool yeah now now magic has pretty deep backstory yeah pretty, pretty involved storyline yeah. we're gonna have to do an episode just on magic and maybe collectible card games yeah, the, <clears throat> in the future another thing magic just came out with too is uh they just released their newest edition of duel of the planeswalkers for xbox ps3 and ipad and ipod or uh iphone so available on pc through steam too yeah so if you anybody doesn't really like likes magic maybe hasn't played in a while wants to get back into it i've heard it's a great way to get back in what do you got well i have a new sort of smaller box uh kind of like a party-ish type of a card game i've been playing board game that's called uh, epic spell wars of the battle wizards Duel at Mount Skull's Fire. <laughs> so. Could could they put any more bad words? Yeah, on that it's it sounds can, awesome. Can you can you spell Skull's Fire for me? S K U L L Z F Y R E. I'm confused. That's how you know it's cool. <laughs> but anyway, right, go uh, ahead. yeah. No, this this game is uh, it's a card game in a box and. Everybody had they choose a character and all the characters are just like really weird like satires stupid of, yeah. satire like wizards of uh, I mean look at this do I you mean, have it there let me see it look at this yeah, voodoo guy here open <laughs> this guy's this is great radio he's opening the box yeah uh, a radio unboxing oh. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite things about the game is it comes with a piece like a table piece that just does absolutely nothing <laughs> it's just there for, vi- for the visual like that's ridiculous it is it is the mountain it is mount skulls fire yeah, yeah oh, funny. look at this thing it has serves no this? purpose dude did adventure time make this game it, it looks like it looks like puking Jack lava Skellington vomiting blood or lava or on something 
I don't know. Dude, that is the that is the most awesome wizard ever. With Look at some entrails. And <laughs> Are those skeletons' eyes made out of record albums? Possibly. It kind of looks like it. All right, go ahead. So, what's the concept? What do you got here? Uh, the concept is everybody is dealt a card that's their wizard, their okay. their player, and they're all stupid like Krasitar, the Bloodomancer, and just <laughs> stereotypes. Hogs the house, and he's like a huge guy. Uh, <laughs> Princess Holiday and her Fury Corn stuff like that. Jung Jung, the spirit master, and he's like a little witch doctor. But anyway, everybody plays a wizard, and you have a life total in your dealt cards. Uh, There's two decks. There's like a reward deck. There's a main deck that you draw from, but it goes in rounds, and every wizard puts together a spell from their hand of cards that they've got. And there's three separate parts that you can play to a spell. There's like a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. And it's like a source. Yeah, there's a source, a delivery, and an effect. Yeah. And you there's a ton of cards, so the possibilities are really huge. So good replay. Yeah, good replay. Yeah. And you just attack each other and just have fun with that. All right. Well, I I guess have you've played this already, right? I've I've played it like twice. I mean, I kind of said Brian, it like, have you played it? I have, yeah. yeah. Mac, I'm assuming you haven't. I have not played it. I haven't either. It looks fun. It, uh why don't we just go on ahead and just do a 30-second Carpe Diem Gamecast review of this game. Steve, thumbs up, thumbs down. I'd give it a thumbs up. but Thumbs I w- up for I, fun. I wouldn't really... It's not really a family game because no, there's, definitely not. <laughs> there's some stuff in it that's kind of like... Okay. If I was a parent, I would be embarrassed if like my kids read the rule book. Because right, there's so, actually like full-on like F-bombs and stuff in the rule book. <laughs> all right, so keep it away from the kids. Brian, what about you? It's a really fun party game. Right. Like You can just do a whole kind Tongue-in-cheek, of, beer and pretzels yeah, type yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Okay. You can learn I it in five minutes. I don't know. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but just from the this useless table piece, I say thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up for sure. <laughs> the art's reminiscent of Super Gel, if you've ever it, seen it's that. It's the same so. guy, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, same yeah. guy? Okay. Look at you. Good Nick eye. Edwards. Nick Edwards is the artist. Some sort of savant. We're just going to leave this here for the rest of the Super podcast. Super Gel's really distinct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it also looks kind of Adventure Timey. So, the epic spell... Battle Wizards, whatever it is. Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards, Duel It. Mount Skullsfire. <laughs> All right. Takes Good you enough. a while to say that. Yeah. Mac, what have you been up to? Well. What's clacking, Mac? In my private time, I've been oh, diving through the... Uh, <laughs> well, in my dri- in my private time, I've been driving through the... Uh, diving through the Dresden novels by Jim Butcher. Okay. think... Uh, Touched Chica- on that a little bit last time. Yeah, Chicago neo-noir, where the main character is a wizard. Uh, yeah. The series has held up really well. I'm a big fan of sarcastic writing, so uh, plus tons of references. Uh, if if you've got a good background in in fantasy, he's going to make all kinds of offhand references that are just great. What year was that book written, or those books written? Well, I don't know. I mean, I as I understand, he's still going. And man, what is this show and tell? I didn't bring mine. Since I'm tra- <laughs> it is. Yeah. Since I'm trying to catch up, I uh, haven't really been paying attention to the. Uh, I, I'm, I'm. It's fine. I'm just asking because I don't really understand how these never made it on my radar. Is it Harry Potter like stuff, or is it more brutal? Like they, some of the reviews that I've read of it say it's Harry Potter, but for grown-ups. Some of them say uh, Charlene Harris is in the 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 writer of the books True Bloods based on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlene Harris, but for guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So I've heard fantastic things about the Dresden. I've Files, heard good stuff too. I absolutely yeah. will be reading them myself. And so. I've heard the role playing game for it is fantastic. I, uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get our hands on that one and play it and review it for the for the podcast. Okay. And the TV for show sure. is terrible. 
I didn't even. <laughs> I didn't was there was existed. a show? They're, they ran like ten episodes on the Sci-Fi Channel. It's called The Dresden Files. It was real bad. Wow, that sounds wow. I mean, it's real bad when you consider that I read the books before I saw the and you know nothing ever holds up. But uh, if you're out there and you liked it, uh, try the books if you haven't read them. Might have to pick one up. Yep. So that's what I've been doing in my private time with my group of friends. Uh, Civilization Five, the biggest board game you've ever played. So big it has to be played on really high tech computers. <laughs> <laughs> Um, recently released uh, an expansion that we've all been diving our way through. It added a whole lot to the game. Uh, Faith and espionage were parts of your society that you couldn't re- really ma- manipulate in the uh, original version of the game uh, of Civilization V. That is, they had been in previous versions, and they just added them back in here, so it adds a whole a whole another dimension. A couple elements to it. Yeah. Yeah, somebody uh, else was telling me about it, so it was really fun. Just... Yep. All right. They're playing a uh, multiplayer game. That's actually uh, a lot of those guys are in my hunt- hunter group that I play before I come record this podcast, and they're actually playing multiplayer of uh, gods and empires right now. Cool. Um, I guess I'll I'll put one out there. Oh, okay. I guess maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, obviously I've had my hands full with the website and the podcast and everything, but I have still found time to really delve into Fiasco. And I'm working on. Uh, for those of you who don't know what Fiasco is, it is a GMless role playing game. Where throughout specific modes of storytelling, as you go through the game, you tell the story of this fantastic plan with these really flawed people that always gets really screwed up and bad things happen to your characters. It's amazing. Death to Smoochie. Big Lebowski. A a simple plan. Those type of things. If you like those movies, this is a game you absolutely must play. Now, there's a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, If you are not comfortable with role-playing... If you're just a roll-the-dice-and-fight-something type of guy, this is probably not going to be the game for you. There is no battle system. It's just storytelling. It's collaborative storytelling. It's for three to five people. You tell this ridiculous, hilarious story. You wind up going through some some crazy things that you never saw coming when you started this game. And the settings are anywhere... Well, anywhere. I mean, I think the ones that come in the book are like the small southern town, suburbia... The, an old western town, you know, and those, those these are the settings in which these wacky things happen that you're about to portray. Um, I've been working on a playset, which is basically another setting. Yeah. I've been working on another setting so that when you guys play test it, I'm going to allow you to play, we're going to play through the regular playsets, one of the regular playsets, and then the and one then I've created. That's awesome. So that's, that's, that's kind of what's been on my horizon other than the obvious podcast and website and... The techie stuff. Yeah. Which a little less techy, little more trekky. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't. I don't really either. All right. With that being said, we'll go ahead and get started with this topic. The topic this time is 1800s. This is going to be part two of our settings. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. Yeah. <laughs> or blowout. <laughs> blowout. Yeah. yeah. That um that we're going through. We're just going to break down some settings. Talk about some trappings of the settings and and discuss some ins and outs and ways to use them in your games. For so, this one, it's 1800s, which oh. kind of breaks down into a few different specific settings. Sorry, I was just looking confused. I thought we were talking about My Little Pony as a setting. 1800s? Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. That's fine. <laughs> All right. So the 1800s kind of breaks kind of breaks down into three basic settings, which are, or three basic time frames or eras. You've got the Victorian era, the Edwardian era, and then the Wild West. Now, the Victorian era is roughly 1837 to 1901, somewhere in there. 
And that time, during that time period, the Victorian game setting kind of exists on the American East Coast and in England and that area. This is the Gothic architectural revival. This is petticoats and hats. <laughs> Top hats, yeah, stovepipe hats. Handlebar mustaches, monocles, oh, sweet, <laughs> and all and all that type of thing, and uh, corsets. Uh, is this all gonna be on the test? It, it is. Take okay. notes. Okay. Hats. Uh, <laughs> so that's th- those are kind of the trappings here, and you're usually dealing with aristocratic, uh, aristocratic people. Um, Edwardian creeps over the 1900s line and goes into the goes into 1910, 1912. Where's, and like, the railroad and stuff fit into this? That's in the 1800s okay. as well. This is uh, the steam-powered world, essentially, is where we're at. Now, the Wild West, which everybody knows what the Wild West is. That's Cowboys and Dust Bowl and, yeah. and White Earp and all that. And Will Smith. Yeah. All that stuff is going on at the same time. <laughs> Will Smith. That's the Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh, sorry. All that stuff is going on at the same time as the Victorian era. It's just literally a few miles that way. A few. A few. <laughs> Just hop on the Greyhound. But, but it's all going at the same time. And the, the the Wild West with the Cowboys and the the shootouts and the OK Corral and all that was all going on at the same time as the... The hats. The, ha- <laughs> the mustaches. The hats and the mustaches. And yes, exactly. Um, so those are the that's kind of the breakdown of the eras, the time period. Now, you can go in a little bit deeper than that, obviously, depending on how what criteria you want to use to create your place markers of setting points you can go into when the diesel engine was created and so on and so forth but we'll cover these and we'll, if we branch out into the other ones it's a bonus one of the reasons it's important to talk about all of these together is that this is a place in time where technology had just gotten to the point where you could go from victorian area industrial revolution england get on a steamship across the ocean to America. Right, the world became a Civil, much smaller place all of a sudden. To Civil War United States, then get on a train and go over to the to the Wild West. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the world became a much smaller place for the people that had the means to get there from point A to point B. I presume that things were happening in other parts of the world, I just don't yeah, Just for what we're talking care. about here, this is... Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit of an aggressive game cast tonight. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. What was happening in South Africa in 1800? Yeah, what was happening in Indochina? Not that I know, but I'm not going to just put it out there that, I'm, that I don't care. I mean, good Was word. there a South Korea then? What is this, geography? I'm not sure there was a Korea then. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So let's get started with some settings. We'll break down some trappings and whatnot. We'll start with the easiest one, the Wild West. Okay? It's the one. Brian, start us off. Wild West, what's it mean to you in your games? <sighs> Man, the biggest thing that comes to mind is that really is a problem. First off, Wild West is an awesome setting because yep. you got gambling, drinking, <laughs> spitting, spurs, horses, all the kind of you know outlaws. Uh, just it just creates men were men, women were prostitutes. Yeah, and, exactly. And horses were the fastest mode of travel. Exactly. <laughs> it it's just a really awesome, just quick, fun, deadly like a setting for like anything could go wrong at any I, time. I agree with that. You can't have a whole lot of abstraction and a whole lot of swelled up hit points in a Wild West setting or you kind of lose the charm because it needs to be lethal. I, oh, yeah. And the, and speaking of lethality, the one thing that really comes to mind and when you're talking about a role-playing system in this setting is the introduction of firearms yeah. and guns. The 
the the revolver. I have not seen a very good. I've almost nothing comes to mind when it comes to me where it's just like this is a great way to use guns in your setting. Like it is just tough yeah. because it's hard to be like okay, you get shot once, your character's dead. That's a tough thing to do for a PC to a PC as a DM, particularly if they're coming from a background in say a Dungeons and Dragons or a Pathfinder or something like that, where they're used to having 120 hit points, right? Where they can get shot 30 times and they're fine, right? But you walk that, in, you walk into that type of a situation in a system like GURPS or Savage Worlds, where you have 12 hit points and a bullet can take 14, or yeah, in it's Savage a- Worlds where you have. Uh, three wounds and if you roll the dice well enough you can blow them all out of the water in one shot yeah it's still kind of i don't know like i still i not one that comes my comes to mind very easily where i can think of where i just i i would i really like the idea of like guns are just lethal like yeah. any hit oh will so kill you're it. saying you just you oh, just yeah. hit and you're dead yeah. i think that's the lesson like you need to check out a system called aces and eights Aces and eights. Yeah, there's a they've they've kind of got this they've got a chart where you map out exactly where you hit the person. It's got like a little black uh, cutout. See, of the yeah, person. that's cool. Yeah. And so you know, a lethal you, you all bullets can hit, but it's a matter of where you get shot. And if you get shot in the arm, you lose that arm. So yeah, like, it's a seriously lethal system. I, I think that like the lesson of again to make this the History Channel episode <laughs> when. Uh, you got the Napoleonic Wars and then the Civil War. You basically taught an entire generation that life was cheap. And then they get, head out into the Wild West. And, uh, yeah, every everybody has a gun. I mean, yeah. Marty McFly in Back to the Future 3 gets made fun of for not having a gun when he goes back to the Wild West. <laughs> right. And everybody has a gun. If you say the wrong thing, you just get shot out in the middle of the street. There's and, no law, like, it's, and yeah, it it needs it doesn't need to be the sort of thing where your PCs are magically protected from bullets it needs to be the sort of thing where they watch your mouth yeah like, yeah <laughs> right because when bullets start flying got real yeah and they need to be ducking their heads and they i mean there be... were like bad out there you know you got your like what wyatt Earp and yeah. stuff people like that but even they they weren't immune to bullets right, you know right, right so i mean the pcs could be like cool people like that but just t- like it's tough it's a tough thing, but yeah. it's it can be it bandits, can end up being really cool. Bandits and posse's can ruin your week. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of when you think about it, like people like uh, Wyatt Earp and stuff like that, people who survived so long and like made such a reputation, kind of like real life heroes, yeah. real life real life PC PC player characters, right? Because you don't really hear of that very much these days because it's so easy to spread stuff around. Yeah. But back back then, you actually had to accomplish something to... To get your name out there. Get your name out there so yeah. much like that. I mean, so you have like Wyatt Earp and Billy all the that. Kid yeah. and so like, but you know, the guys <laughs> whose names we remember are the guys who lived. Like Wyatt Earp had a brother who died, at least one who got shot and killed. And Right. But the, uh, Doc Holliday, yeah. I mean, he survived all those gunfights just to, t- to die of, I think it was, was it tuberculosis? Yeah, it was, yeah. I'm sure it was tuberculosis, yeah. Con- consumption? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll, we'll zip back to the Wild West here in just a minute. Let's move on down to uh, Victorian. The Victorian era games are tend to be, or Ed- Edwardian, they tend to be a little bit more political. Tend to be more social, more role play y. Yeah. But not to say that a Wild West game shouldn't be role play ish. Because if you it don't comes want the to combat. Exactly. It comes to combat. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want the bullets flying. So the, the Victorian era, or the Victorian area, tends to lend itself more for me to like horror type games. Cthulhu esque, 
um, weird supernatural stuff yeah. going on or political intrigue. Uh, I think there was a... Uh, you can play just about any of the White Wolf games in a Victorian era. Probably. Area, yeah. and it will fit in just beautifully. Yeah, the gothic style. Yeah. So that and the the gaslight area that that's that's more of a status symbol of the time, whereas it was still in the middle of the Victorian and Edwardian era. But all of a sudden, the infrastructure started getting better because people started living longer, and they didn't spend, have to spend as many resources to give birth to children and get to, food. Yeah, to give food and to live shelter. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. So, so yeah. all of a sudden, people's creativity started to flourish a little bit more, and technology started to build from that point forward. Sherlock Holmes is told in an environment where there's not electric light, but there is still, you know, a cop on every corner or a, a Bobby on every corner. Right. And the the infrastructure is there, and the infrastructure breeds creativity, because when you don't have to worry about feeding your kids as much, because you went to work for <laughs> Geppetto making puppets. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then, uh, then you can spend your time writing. You can spend your time thinking about concepts and principles and and invent something. Coming out with D and D campaigns. Yes. Did Geppetto have a staff? <laughs> I have no idea. By the way, I just remembered what was happening in the rest of the world in the 1800s, and it's relevant to the Victorian era. All right, go ahead. Western imperialism. <laughs> Pretty much every country was getting <laughs> messed with by somebody else. And, I mean, that's a whole lot of the, like... That's because we could get there. If you're going to focus on Britain, I mean, a lot of what was going around was for queen and country going messing with... Yeah, stick the flag in the ground. People less able. Call yeah. it victorious. Yeah. And no head. flag, no country. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a flag? <laughs> All right. So, that's kind of the trappings of the basic settings here. Running a cowboy game. Uh, coming across uh, an old boxed-up copy of Boot Hill... Which is, I don't even remember when this came out. This is like first first edition equivalent cowboy game. And it was, I'm pretty Cowboys sure. Cowboys edition I played one. it when I was really young and I don't remember a whole lot. I'm pretty sure it was just a collection of tables and, and concepts that were just gunfight resolutions. Like it's so old it was actually played by real cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> they developed it. That's funny. Doc Holliday developed it. <laughs> oh, it was dying. Of Marketed it in in booklet format in New York City, <laughs> right along with uh, Battle Jesus, right? Yeah, <laughs> about the market the about the I same. Bet that would have gone over real well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right around uh, the same time, characters like out of Sarah Plain and Taller running around the world. <laughs> All right, so with those basic settings come some other derivatives, some spinoffs, some conceptual settings that use these as the step ladder. Use these as the step. To get to where they're trying to go. Like Weird West. Uh, A Weird West setting is something... You've got your basic, you've got your cowboys, you've got your Wyatt Earp, but you've also got some elves and some some goblins and some orcs going on. Or a lot of fantasy-esque tropes that come along with it. When we were going to start talking about uh, Wild West, I kept trying to think of what system most uh, I thought would work best. And then it occurred to me... I'd played Deadlands. Yeah. yeah. Deadlands. <laughs> the Savage Worlds. Deadlands. I think they just came out with a new expansion, or a, 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 a new addition, at least. I think it's called Deadlands uh, Reloaded. Reloaded. Yes. Yeah. And also Deadlands Hell on Earth. Now, those aren't really Weird West, 
those are wasted West is what they build themselves <laughs> at. Because it's not only a weird West setting, but it's a post-apocalyptic weird West setting. Sometimes. I mean, that's what they're billing it as right now. Okay, okay. Uh, their, their newest Oh, that hell on a whatever. The hell on Earth, yeah. It's, it's wasted West, which is as if weird West wasn't enough. Now we've made it post-apocalyptic. Here you go. Um, so if anybody has touched on Savage Worlds, if you already have the Savage Worlds book, go buy these books. You can buy them on PDF. You have everything you need. It's just fluff. Yeah. Uh, just go get it. They're, the Savage Worlds books that are coming out are really, really solid. The other other thing, like like if you take out the elves and stuff like that, yeah. but you just want to add in like a mythological mythics, like you got Paul Bunyan. Yeah, you, you can got pull, like Johnny pull Appleseed. The, yeah. Pulling the tall tales. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Tall tales, the true story of Pecos Bill. Yeah, Pecos Bill. Yeah, exactly. What was it? What was the? Was it? What was the name of? Was that the name of the movie? Tall, tall tales. tales. Yeah. Oh, okay. David, yeah. I Disney. think it was just Tall Tale. Was I mis- it? I misspoke. Before, I think it was Tall Tale. Yeah, but like that kind of stuff is. Not really weird, Paul West, but Paul Bunyan was a complete dirtbag. It was just Oliver Platt. <laughs> uh, he wasn't even big. He yeah. was just a fat dude with a blue ox. <laughs> what a dirtbag he looked like in that movie. Who was it in that movie? It was it was Patrick Paul Swayze, Bunyan, right? Uh, was it Patrick was it? Swayze it as Pecos Bill? Bill? I think it might have been. Hmm. And then uh, John Henry Irons. Somebody was John Henry Irons. Steel. Right? John. Oh, Hen- John Henry. <laughs> John Henry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 oh. Let's talk about the rain. I remember of the, the homage character more than the. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That I mean, that would work too. That's definitely weird west esque. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and if you want a good system for uh, randomizing in any sort of wild west setting you're looking at, take a look at the old. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure now defunct card card game that was based on Deadlands. Deadlands Doomtown, in which. Uh, oh yeah. It was a card game where cards had like a. I've never even heard of this. Uh-huh. It had like a. They had like a a, a normal poker deck types uh, additional feature to them. There were aces and jacks and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And well, there, that was the magic system in Deadlands. You you had the the play the poker hand and all this. Mm-hmm. Right, and the way you decided like you you'd go to a shootout and that was combat between your cowboys in, in Doomtown and you'd have your poker hand. That's why Very cool. That's why yeah. Savage Worlds is kind of a cool thing for uh, Wild West settings because their like, initiative system is a deck of cards. Yeah, yeah. So it just really fits the setting well. Now, and they've, they've expanded upon that too. There's some other use, uses yeah, for yeah. the action deck. And that, that when, when we were talking about how you can, you can do a Wild Wild West setting but it's kind of hard to... A wicked wicked wild wild setting? Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to like balance it out to where it's fun when one bullet kills you when you just get shot. Like we were when we were talking about that, I started thinking of that burning wheel system in Mouse Guard, where every thing, every interaction is rolled out the same way as like a fight, just like like actual combat. So like in that burning wheel system, an argument. Can, is, is a roll is a is a roll of the dice is rolled the same way as hand to hand combat. Okay. So like there's they actually have a table in there where there's weapons for verbal alterca- so uh, alteration. You've got a social arsenal. You've got like so evidence in an argument okay. is counts as like a weapon and can benefit you. So I think that's re- really cool about that where even if you're not fighting, it still feels like you're rolling for the same stuff. And All right. it, like you're still Wild, having fun. Wild West Mouse Guard campaign. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Five goes, goes West. west. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. An American tale. All right. So the next obvious, <laughs> the next, uh, the next obvious uh, jump from here 
is steampunk. Yeah. Now, Ga- it, gas masks and well, goggles and yeah. just brown, weird brown gothic. That's clockwork what I call steampunk. and gears. We, yeah, clockwork <laughs> gears, steam powered, coal powered stuff. Everything. Now, what this is is the concept of steampunk is the future as envisioned by someone who lives in the Victorian era. Yeah. They they have no concept of... <laughs> Where's my te- balloon? Right. <laughs> they have no concept of wireless internet and whatnot. The best, most efficient power that they had at the time was steam and coal. Tell these goggle-wearing nerds about 4G. That's what- <laughs> well, <laughs> they're still trying to graph the telegraph, man. Right. So you, you've got the books like Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, Wait. There's a graphic novel, too. Oh, you're, 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 you're talking about examples of, of steampunk. Steampunk. Yes, okay. steampunk, yeah. I'm so, I didn't mean to derail you. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, so you've got, you've got these examples of steampunk futuristic technologies, which are not really futuristic. It's just what the, a person in that era would envision as futuristic. You know, all these uh, anachronistic technologies, I think is what it's called. Where it didn't actually happen, but you're basing technology on that specific time frame and advancing the, te- the, the technology that exists in that time frame to a point where it's like it never super, got. Yeah. yeah. So, it's like clockwork golems. And that's, the, that's another thing is that there's, you've got steampunk, you've got diesel punk, you've got clock punk. Yeah. Uh, you've, I think Savage Worlds, I think uh, Reality Blurs put is out a Cth- book called Rune Punk. Isn't there a Cthulhu punk too? Uh, possibly. I uh, don't there know. is, yeah. I don't know, but what you're what you're looking at with steampunk is a world that has an advanced infrastructure based on steam and coal burning. Now, some good examples of that would be the obvious one of the movie Wild Wild West, and there was an old TV show I think in '65 too that was a that was a Wild Wild West. It was all steampunky and clockworky. Giant mechanical spiders. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Sherlock Holmes movie. The, the, the newest, no, I haven't seen it. The I haven't seen either. I haven't per- seen the new one. It's steampunky. Yeah, I've seen the first one. Yeah, it's got some steampunky stuff going yeah. on. Punky. Back to the Future Three was mentioned earlier. the The last ten minutes of that, or whatever, I oh, think yeah. it was the last scene <laughs> where Doc Brown shows up on the steam coal engine train time machine. The kid, the little kid's like, runs on steam. <laughs> <laughs> so Doc Brown shows up in the last ten minutes of the movie. Where it looks to me like he inspired a steam revolution back yeah. in the 1800s. Where I was looking for that movie. I mean, I still <laughs> love. I still love watching like uh, the scene of the giant steam contraption he's got going in his blacksmith shop, and all it does is make three cubes of ice. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. See, that's that's the thing about steampunk technology for me. Is it always so inefficient? Feels, yeah, it always feels like the stereotypical gnomish technology yeah. from first from first and second edition Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Push where, button, receive bacon. Well, the machine the machine is a, the size of a room, and all it does is put your hat on your head. Yeah. They push a button, they're like, "Oh, check this out!" And all these these steam whistles start firing, and these gears start turning, and the clockwork starts spinning, and all of a sudden, your hat's on your head. <laughs> and that's that's the kind of thing that it reminds me of and when I'm looking at these steampunk. Steam technology type of things, um, which brings to mind something else. William Gibson and, and and Bruce Sterling wrote a book called The Difference Engine, and uh, The Difference Engine was based on uh, uh, Babbage's uh, analytical machine. I think is what it called what it was called. I don't remember exactly. It's basically a steampunk computer. 
And this computer like filled a room and it's got all these flaps and it's coal powered and whatnot. And it was abstracted to the point that it became the first supercomputer effectively throwing the world into the technological age, into the information age, a hundred years early. Um, like pre-transistor tech. Yeah. And gotcha. th that was the concept of the difference engine where according to Gibson and Sterling, this happened and here's the repercussions of it. And it's kind of set in an, an alternate history setting where you, you just, you just have to read it. There's a lot of names on there. I don't want to ruin the story. So you'd have to read this one, which, which also brings to mind the guys from postcards from the dungeon did an episode on this type of thing too. And uh, this was a fantastic idea. Uh, Jim, one of the one of the hosts, said that he took this concept of the difference engine, and because it's a mechanical device and it was something that was created, he essentially made it um, the culmination of the work of the priests of Gond, which Gond is the god of craftsmanship and machines, essentially. And because steam technology was so accessible, you didn't have to have a specific skill, you could just go buy a thing that god began, ga began gaining more power than even Mistra at the time, who was the goddess of magic. So the PCs were kind of locked in this war between... Tech and magic. Tech and magic. And I, I don't remember exactly what side it was. I remember it was riveting. I'll put a note in the uh, the show notes for that one, too. That was that was a really good episode. So I've always liked, as a hook for a campaign, the idea that you go back in time to something change the way history actually happened you don't have to do time travel but just like take your characters in a in a timeline that they know that, that that your players know and then change the way history happens and just let them like create this brave new world or something i mean yeah i've liked that ever since playing the red alert games which are basically yeah. based on the idea that einstein went back and killed hitler like <laughs> it, it's sort of like how last time we talked about fantasy is like there's a bunch of different sects. Yeah, like fantasy. sort of like light fantasy, dark fantasy. Branches and on the tree. Depending on how you change it and put like fake stuff and like BS stuff into it, that's what branch it goes off to. Because you're base, you're really just basing depending it off. Depending on what truth you establish. Yeah, you're basing it off medieval history, right. which really happened. And this is being based off <laughs> yeah. Wild West or Victorian. And you don't know that. Same, you don't know medieval history <laughs> oh, <okay>. really happened. <laughs> same, time, same thing with steampunk. It's like, well, I mean, steam locomotives really happened. All that stuff really happened. I yeah. mean, people made crazy machines back then. The right. iron horse. Yeah. The, the steampunk's getting like a lot of exposure lately. I don't know what the deal is. I saw yeah. a picture. It's. I saw it, a picture yeah. somewhere of uh, this this girl cosplaying as a steampunk princess Peach. Oh, that's pretty mm. cool. And it was just like she had goggles on and all this clockwork <laughs> stuff and everything. And brown. <laughs> so uh, another another couple of games I wanted to mention uh, for those that are interested in steampunk stuff. I say while we're on steampunk, the yeah. other thing that I think is really kind of something that interests me that I've used in games before is the idea of uh, Nikola Tesla and his Tesla coils, stuff like that is kind of cool, like that weird technology of the era yeah, and the we, time. We worked together pretty intensely on a game yeah. used based on that concept. Yeah, I think it, the concept was what was it? It was he was a time traveler. He was an immortal. He was an immortal. That's yeah. what it was. And uh, him and Rasputin. Yeah, and there was a there. there we kind of fudged some of the setting times and whatnot just to kind of make all these specific characters exist. Yeah, and during the same time frame, but uh, I think it was the idea was basically uh, Nikola Tesla was Merlin or something. Yes, in he a was Merlin. Life essentially, right? Yeah, the idea of it behind the whole game was basically BPRD, which is from Hellboy, but it's kind of like he set up BPRD. Bureau of Research and Paranormal Bur Defense. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it, basically the idea was uh, he set up this thing called the Order of the Coil, which, right. which was basically he was trying to keep all magical things out in the world. And supernatural under, as well. Yeah, yeah, supernatural and magical things in the world under wraps and trying to keep it in, in control and stuff like that by spreading technology through the world and, you know, having a technology-driven world as opposed to, like, in a, you know... A superstitious... Yeah. Everything, monsters lurk under the bed and hide in yeah, the corner. Exactly. Yeah. So players played as members of the Order of the Coil going through the world looking for myth- magical artifacts and all kinds right. of goofy stuff. Right, and because he was trying to upset the world order, there were all kinds of organizations that were getting in his way. Yeah, Illuminati, well. Templar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very fun, very cool stuff. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun helping, working with that. Yeah, it was. Um, so that's a, that was a, that was a fun gaming idea. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I'm going back to the, to the Wild West stuff. Uh, honorable mention for Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a fantastic. Yeah, but there's no fantasy in that. That's a straight up. That's why I said Wild West, not Weird West. Yeah. Now you want to go into some weird steampunk stuff. The, there's also, uh, Space 1889 was a game (laughs) system that was released way back in the day and I think they just refreshed it and put it out in drive through RPG too uh, but it's uh, is that like a prequel to Space Above and Beyond um, that, that TV show from like the I don't think I have so. no idea this okay, was a tabletop mind. RPG oh alright <laughs> so it's technology that didn't work actually wound up working and we got to Mars and so you have these British soldiers on Mars and it, it, they find dealing, John Carter. Well, and you're dealing with Martians, and <laughs> it, it was it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I haven't looked at the new version of it yet, but if somebody does, send me an email. Let me know. Yet that cannon shot to Mars or to to the moon would have uh, worked out. History would have been a very different story. <laughs> <laughs> right. Another thing for Wild West. Uh, I know it's only I've only read the first book, and I plan on reading more of them, but. Uh, Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Oh yeah, Gunslinger. Roland that, the Gunslinger. Yeah, yeah that's, that's pretty weird West yeah, stuff. That was There's weird like West. zombies and all kinds of goofy stuff in yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and I've heard that that's a really cool book series too. So I'm gonna have to keep reading those. Yeah, if you haven't finished them, finish it. It's, yeah. it's also if you're looking for more information on steampunk, Wild West, that type of any any of those derivatives, GURPS has a whole line of books for the third edition. And I'm pretty sure they're all available in PDF at the uh, E23 section of the GURPS website, Steve Jackson Games. The thing about a GURPS splat book is that there's there's only a little bit of mechanics in there. It's mostly just fluff and concepts, and they're always really well written. So anybody has, maybe you should check out GURPS if you're if you're looking for some inspiration on a game or something like that. Check out the website, see what you can get. Because their splat books are always really informative, uh, even if you don't actually play the system. Yeah, they're, just they're take fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, just just grab the book and steal stuff. So with all with all that being said, I think we kind of covered that setting pretty well. We didn't get it too in depth uh, because it's a pretty much leave it up to your imagination yeah, setting. It's a pretty with, easy setting to based fill on out. historical facts. Most yeah. people, it's yeah. They, this is an example of taking a time in history where there's a bunch of the different things going on in the world. You can take any part of it and just live in it or change a little something and run with that. Or you can have your characters go across all of it. Yeah, just like we said in the fantasy thing. The refer legends, back to that. The lore, yeah, yeah, all, all of that stuff yeah. is subjective. Yeah. So we're, we're already starting to do it with like 
the 80s and stuff yeah like yeah. we could change it and make like ronald reagan a robot uh what? <laughs> like a cyborg body american psycho where yeah. all yuppies are yeah. psychotics yeah what else could we change like uh i don't know uh uh, uh, it's not far in the future enough yet. We can't like make up enough BS because like the whole generation hasn't died off. Eighties <laughs> movies yeah. kind of did this to themselves. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Like yeah, there's not much you can do. I mean, well, like uh, I've been su- super into watching Master of the Universe lately, uh, and th- th- freaking He Man and Skeletor and everybody comes to like s- rural Main Street of some unnamed town. Yeah, <laughs> they did it. I was gonna say like stuff like in Thor too, where they like go like mix like all that kind of like weird stuff with n- normal rural people stuff, kind of same thing. Yeah, and yeah. and like tons of movies from the. I mean, M- Marty McFly isn't a guy who invents a time machine. Marty McFly is a guy who steals a time machine from some dead old <laughs> dude. Like, <laughs> right? He he gets thrown into this weird situation with crazy tech and crazy time travel. Like another eighties movie gone crazy. Right. Uh, let's see if. Yeah, you're you're right. The '80s cinema kind of did it to themselves. They yeah. kind of they kind of put the tongue firmly in the cheek and then stretched everything out as far as they could and then said, "Here you go. Here's what's going to survive us." For the <laughs> people that don't remember the '80s, this is what they're going to look back on and remember. And if you want to try making the '90s into like the weird '90s, yeah. watch Saved by the Bell and the and the X Files at the same time and realize that this is happening like in the same world, <laughs> like. <laughs> Oh jeez! Uh, <laughs> I would say like you could even go like well, like you were saying. What are some other things we could do? Like prohibition era stuff would be cool because that's almost just like one step further from Victorian. That's just inside yeah. the industrial revolution. Yeah, yeah. make up like a, a like outland, outlandish reason why prohibition really started. Yeah, you this know? is a this is a whole topic. Conspiracies. Unto There's a whole lot of material there. Uh, I I think the line you could put between like 1800s what we're talking about even though it might not be it literally at 18 18 19 when edison and tesla start running around and you start getting the build up to world war 1 and yeah yeah that's where stuff starts getting into early 19th that's century, another crazy setting early 20th century. that's another crazy setting people love to do is world war 2 world war 1 settings with fantasy elements yeah, and yeah, there's entire world war 2 of- is is in my in my belief the only time in history where you know, good was going up against evil pretty blankly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's 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 definitely some gray in there. I don't want to be insensitive to anybody on the other side, but don't be insensitive to the Nazis, Mac. Come yeah. On. Not... <laughs> this is not was, Nazi hate cast. To, yeah. Trying... yeah. <laughs> is it not cool to hate Nazis? Is that not cool now? That's that's totally something you you're, can do. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, that's you fine. <laughs> Nazis, zombies. Whoa. Remember what we talked about? I mean, I mean in our villains episode, we talked about that the Nazi <laughs> yeah. was the perfect throwaway villain. Yeah, yeah. But is that is, are is that like are they like a group that I'm not allowed to? We're putting to? it back we're putting it back on the table. Let's review Nazis. <laughs> I, I maintain that Nazis are still not cool. I yeah. agree. Uh, yeah. I think we all agree. <laughs> all in favor? Aye. 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 Well, next right, topic on the board. <laughs> we move to our game review. Ooh. All right. Pac-Man? The, no. Oh. Well, I played Didn't the I, ro- I already pl- threatened to beat you to death in the last episode? <laughs> I played the wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The game we're reviewing tonight is Thunderstone Advance. It's an Alderac Entertainment Group is the publisher of this game. Uh, you guys probably know him from Legend of the Five Rings, the collectible card game. I mean, yep. and the role playing game. And the role I never played game. that, but I've played Thunderstone. Okay, yeah. well, that's 
that's a huge one. Yep. There's a lot of L5R AEG fans games, out there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. L5R was a cool card game because they actually had tournaments in which the winner got to decide what the storyline was going to be like for the next set. Very cool. That is tight. It's a deck building dungeon crawl abstraction. Where you buy the game, you open the game, you have this ludicrous amounts of cards in the box. There's tons of them. <laughs> it's the box is literally great box design, by the, the way. The box design is fantastic. It's set up like a filing cabinet. Yeah. Which, uh, that that, I, that would have never occurred to me. The box is I'd like... Have sent, I'd have made that game, put some rubber bands in the thing, <laughs> and just called a good it a luck. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Think the Monopoly money tray, but with... Many, 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 many more slots and yeah. cards. Yeah. And, and vertical. Like, a, like, I would not be yeah. surprised if I went there and looked, opened that box again and saw, like, the hanging file dealies on there yeah. again. And, and, I mean, it came like, with tabs. It came it with tabs. Comes with tabs. Catalog, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very... Because there are tons of games like yes. this. And a lot of the problems do come in, like, storing. It's like, where are they going to put 8,000 cards? Like, you <laughs> right. know, like... It's not quite that many, but it's it's a big, big game. Yeah. It's probably, and, like... The box 300 is, cards at least. Oh, no, it's more than that. Yeah. And the box is designed to... It's designed that way so that you can buy expansions to the game and store those cards in there the with their little card catalog. Yeah. Yep. You can organize it in alphabetical order or you can put the des- Dewey Decimal System on it if you want to. It doesn't yeah. matter. So you, you, you set up the game board in a specific way using a random draw. Uh, you use a, a random draw for what types of heroes are going to be on the board, what villagers are going to be on the board, what items, what, yeah, and spells. So it's different every time. So right there, like instant huge, replayability. Yeah. replayability. Instant replayability. So th- what you lay down on the board is your pool of resources that you can potentially get add to as, your deck a- into your hand. Everybody starts off with a deck, and you spend the first few turns just trying to build up enough juice in your cards maybe you <laughs> i go straight for the dungeon <laughs> you're yeah all my, right. my daggers and torches and what, what's the other thing regulars started? they're called uh, iron rations they're gonna get me all the way <laughs> so, oh and militia yeah they're called regulars in the advanced one i think oh, they yeah, we're playing yeah. the advanced version hey man <laughs> now the concept is you've got your deck you build your deck using the resources that you have and then you launch an attack on a dungeon uh, and the dungeon is just another set of cards set up in a specific order, and there's also monsters, randomized. Also randomized, or you can you can tailor this to make it a specific story as well. If you really want to get into it, you can tailor it and put specific heroes and specific resources against specific monsters or a type of monster in the dungeon. You can do it however you want. Yeah. So it really is infinitely replayable. You know, there's actually a format for running a campaign in that. I I believe it. I haven't hmm. stumbled across that one, but I totally can see it. There's a bunch of that different... That was the first thing that I thought of was, man, I could run 10 games in a row of this and just follow a storyline. There's a bunch of different Thunderstones, and if you uh, uh, limit your dungeon deck size and so that like you run through a dungeon, you build your deck a little bit, but not quite as much. And they've got rules in it, but this is how I've done it. Um, and then you just like deal out a new dungeon, but keep your same deck, but deal out a new town. All right. the all the resource pools You've that moved are referred on. to as town. Yeah. Um, suddenly you're building like this different deck. Whoever won the dungeon got the Thunderstone puts it in their deck. That's why they have little effects. It's pretty right. neat. Very very cool. Whenever you whenever you finally you just touched on it, whenever you actually beat the monster at the end of the game, you get a Thunderstone, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they have little effects and whatnot. Which allow you to either I mean if you could play this competitively, essentially. You really could it's a co-opo competitive it, game. It like, is, it is, but you could play it competitively. Most of the times I've ever played it have been competitively. Okay. Yeah. 
I've played it with my kids. Yep. So it was a tutorial. Now, oh. that's kind of the con for me, is that that's a pretty big barrier of entry for younger people. I figured it out pretty quick, and I knew where to find this. The, the rule book was well organized, so I was able to flip it's directly to... It's a big to, rule book, too. It's kind it's of It's like 30 pages yeah. or something like that, or 20, 24 pages or something like that. But it's it's filled with information, and it's well organized. So that I don't really have a problem with. Mm-mm. Um the barrier for entry, that first game. It's a pretty high learning be, curve. Yeah, yeah. you've yeah. got to be committed yeah. to, to learn and play this game. But if, once you learn it and know what the little icons and everything mean, you don't have to look at the rule book anymore. If you have previous card game experience, right. it's a little easier. But even still, it's kind of the mechanics at first are still kind of like, wow, this is a lot at once. Yeah. Well, the mechanics and the, the nomenclature. Yeah. The not knowing what that little bale of hay means. Yeah. You're just that's, like, oh, that's a trip this to is the another book. arbitrary number. Because it's yeah. based, it's based around yeah. like the like concept of deck building or like effective deck building, which is something that takes forever to right. really master. Right. I mean, it's it's. So you say mission accomplished? Yeah, it took me for like <laughs> for a really long time to just like finally figure out like oh. Well, like the statistical aspects of deck building and all that. So, like but, if I draw these cards, yeah. then there's a chance I could get, you know, my chances of drawing the card I need is greatly enhanced if I get rid of this card out of my deck, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and you, you know what's in your deck every time. It's, yeah. You're building it. You start with the same 11, 12 cards. Start yeah, you the start same, the same 12 cards. And then you build it personally from that point forward. You spend every turn either fighting something or putting another card or building something. Or removing something from your deck. Or sacrificing something, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, there, there's my con. The barrier of entry is a little steep for younger players. For people with card-playing experience, not really that big a deal. It's I, I would even say even for those, it's still a kind of tough first game. Yeah. It first, is a- just be committed on the first game. Bear with it. If you can make it through the first game uh, and you've not Look- torn the rulebook in half and thrown the game across the table... Then you'll be fine. I know looking at it for the first time, opening up the box, I was like, there are so many cards. I don't know what any of this it's, does. It's like, not going to matter to yeah. me. Nothing is going to nothing is going to overshadow my feeling of wonder when I opened up Small World the first time. Yeah. That was ridiculous. Yeah, obviously, I haven't opened up the Lord of the Rings board game. <laughs> yeah, like you're this, right, I have That's the only game I've actually given up on. <laughs> like, I took the rule book home, and still, we didn't play it. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, we still never played yeah. it. So, Steve, how about you? Any cons for the game? Cons? Uh, n- no, not really. I mean, it's... Uh, there's, it's really hard to screw up a game like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just cards and a board. You guys are more card game players than I am. I don't. I, I haven't really ventured very deep into the magic. What the fun waters? Yeah, like the fun aspect of it for me is like just deck building. Like it's fun, really fun for me to build decks. Okay. For any card game, and you're with this. Like that's basically the whole point is to try and build an effective deck to get through this wall of monsters that everybody's going up against yeah thunderstone is an introduction to drafting in my opinion it really yeah. is it's okay. it's it's where all the the decisions made by every player are public where all your options are laid out on the table you're not like getting a hidden pack from somebody who's on your right or whatever yeah and you're selectively building your deck and playing it at the same time and anytime you get a hand where you don't want to go play it you go build your deck, you know? Yep. It's, it's a good back and forth for that. Yeah. That said, it can be really tough in a lot of ways. If you're on your first game and the people you're playing with have played before, 
and or have, yeah, read, or have read every card. I can I was see gonna, that serious curve. I was going to say that. something just directly on that, like yeah. people who haven't played it before. My one big con with the game is if you get everybody who's played it before uh, playing, the speed of the game is bat, 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 yeah. bat, oh, bat, yeah. bat, 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 super impatient. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, but if you got any time where it's like it, the, the game comes like a serious halt when you're like waiting on somebody, there's like because uh, like turns can go and seriously take like 30 seconds or less right or you can come to somebody's turn who hasn't thought out their turn before it was their turn or hasn't figured out what they're going to do or needs to read every card or something like that right their turn takes like two or more minutes the game speed just goes from like 30 seconds to like two or three minutes like it's right just, per it's, turn yeah and there are probably what would you say hundreds Couple hundred turns. Oh in a yeah, game. and I'm not the guy that makes spontaneous decisions either. I'm one of those thinking every angle yeah. kind of guys. It's a little rough. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess this is a pro for me, uh, and I'm just throwing this out as an honorable mention. I've mentioned uh, on the forums and whatnot that I like games with lots of little fiddly bits. Every little lots of things, <laughs> lots of stuff to 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 play with. Now this doesn't really have any of that. This just has cards. Yeah, but all the cards are... But the cards are... It's beautiful art. The cards look fantastic. And every one of them, kind of like a magic card, has a little bit of fluff along the bottom. has a little Mm. fluff message across the bottom. Every card is kind of intriguing in its own right. So, for the new Thunderstone player, everything is going to catch your attention. You're like, oh, it could be this. Oh, it could do this. As you get used to that, as you get used to seeing what this regular does you're gonna stop looking at that card like you like you have to take it all in yeah so that alone is gonna speed up the process in the game but i didn't miss the fiddly bits because i had so much cool to look at at. yeah Yeah. one thing about like card games and games like this is it's kind of dumb but one of the things i kind of judge them by is their card stock like yeah how how durable the cards are that's not dumb at all because that speaks directly to the value of the game yeah and to the it to is the value a hefty price tag, and so. it, it wasn't that bad. It was like fifty dollars. I checked on the game store today. It kind of irritates me when a game is really good, but the cards fall apart after you play it four yeah. times. And that 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 yeah. ruins. That's your yeah. now in this game. Is it good card stock or bad card? Stock? <laughs> I think it's great. Yeah, it's, it's like okay. super slippery. Like, like it's real good card stock. You could probably here. dump soda on them and it'd wipe <laughs> off. It's, I it's mean, really, seriously. Oh man, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, they actually feel like greasy almost. Yeah, they've, it's got that woven back to yeah. it like you see on uh, Casino Pokemon. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. And Because there's a game I love uh, called Intrigo that's just cards in a box, but the card stock is like, you, I've played it maybe eight times and it's getting to the point where I'm probably going to have to just buy another copy because okay. it wears out. And yeah. this, I'm like, no, this is great, you know? Yeah, and the, the box helps you protect your cards because of the way it's organized. Yeah. Yeah. So the the longevity in this game was really taken into account when it's designed. So two thumbs up for AEG productions because that's, uh, that's really, really a good design uh, as far as the game storage and the game pieces and everything. The, the board is really good. Solid. It's got that good, uh, heavy bound that well bound four piece board that you kind of fold out in, in, Two angles, two sides for alternate game modes. Yeah, it oh. does have alternate game modes on yeah. each side. That's a good point. So, yeah, two thumbs up for me, Steve. Yeah, I love it. I think yeah. uh, it's a definitely a good buy. So definitely, definitely a good buy. Two thumbs up here. It's my favorite card well, building. Where did the Rain Man stuff come from? The what? 
What? Definitely, 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 definitely two thumbs up. <laughs> yes. Definitely, definitely time for Thunderstone. Definitely, definitely time for Thunderstone. Definitely yeah. time for Thunderstone. Ten minutes till Thunderstone. Yeah, ten minutes till Thunderstone. How much then, does Thunderstone all cost, right, you guys? All About a hundred dollars. I can't. I can't. <laughs> About a hundred dollars. Uh, <laughs> about 50 bucks <laughs> anyway it's uh, gonna be okay brian is it <laughs> anyway yeah it's two thumbs up for me for sure because i've played a lot of these deck building games i've played um dominion yeah uh i've played ascension, ascension. Yeah. uh just a handful of these games and i played thunderstone regular before you, thunderstone advance came out you know one thing i kind of noticed is uh, in particular between thunderstone and ascension it's almost like they were kind of really compete competing against each yeah. other like the two games and i think ascension is kind of like backed off a little bit yeah and i haven't seen much from it off. yeah thunderstone's really taken I've, off i mean i've yeah. played both of them just walk into a game store and you'll see yeah it. i don't know i i agree but i play a lot of these games our game shop thunderstone's front and center yep yeah. I've seen a lot of these games, uh, played a lot of them. They're all extremely fun games, but this is probably the easiest to get a group of people together and play and the most fun you'll end up having. So, right. Mac? Uh, five stars. Good. Good game. All right. Just bring out more expansions for this advanced AEG because well, like, like I've been waiting. There's one there now. There's one. I don't know. Those are, those are advanced. Those are, uh, those are expansions for the original Thunderstone. Oh. And this is like the like it's the same game, same mechanics, few things tweaked here yeah, and change, there. Change card the layout makes it a little easier. In fact, the the monster cards and most of the cards from the old expand the old you know 1.0. Right. The old cards are playable with the new ones. Most right. of them just they just look kind of weird and stuff like that. They kept the same card backs and everything like that, just so it's all uniform. But I'm waiting for more expansions of this. You know, advance, right. yeah. Well, I don't have any news on it, but I'll definitely take a look at it. Cool. All right. Well, with that, we're going to call it a night. Thank you for joining us. This has been the Carpe Diem Gamecast. I'm Dan. I'm Steve. I'm Brian. And I'm Mac. And remember... Support the hobby. Support the industry. Support your local game store. And support Newsroom, new show on HBO written by Aaron Sorkin. The Carpe Diem Gamecast is presented under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License Version 3.0. For further discussion on this topic or just about anything else, join our forum at carpegm.net slash forum. To contact us with questions, comments, and other feedback, please send your emails to dan at carpegm.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook slash carpegm.net or follow us on Twitter at C-A-R-P-E underscore G-M. Thanks for listening. Next time on the Carpe Diem Gamecast. Doctor? 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 Well, what do we have here? Let's see here. Patient 3649, Tyler Maxwell... Caucasian male. Let me look at the charts here. Coming in with the reports of red nose and buzzing voice. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We can make him stronger. Damn faster. It. We don't have six million dollars. What? What's going on in his stomach? Are those butterflies? Damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a lepidopterist. Prepare to operate. Tweezers. Tweezers. I think that'll do. I Let's think see. We got it. So, uh, guess that's a wrap. Lunch? Lunch. Lunch? Lunch.
Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch. Lunch.